We're so thankful that we have Carmen with us today. Her husband, Jim, has also served in the children's ministry program for a long time. Uh, The two of them have been married since for a little over 40 years. So since 81, they've been church members at Bethlehem since 97. Uh, The two of them, they've got four grown adult children. They also have four precious, fun grandchildren. Um, And just another testimony to who they are. Two years ago, they moved uh, to New Hope. So now they're a little bit further away from church, but for the purpose of being closer to their kids especially their grandchildren, um, just to do that life together. And they, the two of them also every Thursday have Grandkids Day. What a blessing. What an absolute blessing. So let's welcome Carmen on up. And I will pray just to get us started. Dear Lord, again, we thank and praise you for this glorious day that you've brought us moms here from the North Church. We thank and praise you for Carmen and her testimony and her willingness to just to share with us a glimpse of your goodness, of your guidance, um, and your provider, Lord, to us as moms. We thank and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, Thanks so much for inviting me. Um, I do have a confession to make. I would far rather be doing a nursery training than this kind of talk any day. It's really hard to think about talking about yourself. And so that's been a challenge, but it feels like God has me here, and so we will go with that and trust him. Um, The only way that I can ever claim any steadfast in me is because God has been steadfast in my life for so many years, and so I'm thankful for that. Let me share with you, to begin with, two quotes. One is scripture, um, Psalm 32.8, It goes like this, I will instruct you, says the Lord, and guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch your progress. That's from the Living Bible, okay? The other one is a quote that I um, was at a conference, I think, in high school, and it was a um, definition of submission. Now, this is not all submission is, okay? (laughs) But submission, the confidence that God can use even the mistakes of those in authority over me to achieve his character in me. Again, that's not all submission is, but that's been really helpful for me through the years. Um, Global Focus starts this week, which is kind of where I'm starting. Um, We were missionaries a long time ago, but um, that's kind of where I'm starting to share from our life story, except I really do want to go back further than that because, you know, missions doesn't just happen. Um, So I want to start back with my home. I was grew up here in the Twin Cities. We went to a good church. Um, I have to admit, though, that God and the Bible were never talked about in my home. That was a church conversation, which is unfortunate. Um, I, sorry, I've already gone past out of my <laughs> list. Um, many, many times. I went forward to receive Christ. Well, actually, that's not totally true because I didn't actually stand up and walk to the front when an altar call was done because I was way too shy to do that. But every time a different speaker or pastor or whatever talked about what it meant to know the Lord, I would think, I hadn't heard that before. Maybe I didn't do it right the first time. And so I accepted Jesus in my heart multiple times through the years. Um, I don't have an aha moment to say this is when I became a believer. I just know that I... 
trust Christ, and he's in my heart. Um, One important thing growing up, my mom did daycare. She started when I was about five years old. This was before there were any rules, any registrations, whatever. She'd have, you know, a dozen kids in her home all day, every day, by herself. When my sister and I got home from school, that was our job, to help feed babies and bottles and baby food and whatever. Um, Summers take take the little kids or bigger kids to the park and watch them. Um, We were 10, 11, 12 at the time. A lot of responsibility, um, but it was good. I was a good student in school. I loved studying. I can't say that I loved school, especially in high school. Some of those relationship thingies are just not fun. But I I loved school. But I have no idea what I wanted to be when I grew up. Okay, and I had a real fear during those years that if I went to a secular university, um, I would lose my faith. You hear all these stories about people losing their faith. So um, because of that, and because I had no idea what I wanted to be when I grew up, um, I decided to go to Northwestern College for a year and get their Bible um, degree. One thing I had done in high school, though, was take typing, shorthand, etc., thinking that at least if I went to college, I'd know how to type my my papers and stuff like that. I mean, that was really the purposes of those classes for me. Um, And um, so I went to Northwestern for a year. Still didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up, so I stayed a second year just because I really kind of liked some of the classes and there were some fun things to take. Um, During those years, the friendships that I developed, the, the roommates were just really instrumental in my life and just helping me to grow and learn about who I was, who God was. Um, that is when I, that became my life verse really was Psalm 32, eight. I will instruct you, says the Lord, and guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch your progress. One of my roommates which was a missionary kid. I didn't know what that meant even. I had no, no background in missions. Um, but I got to know her and ended up going with her family and with other friends to the Urbana Student Missions Conference in Urbana, um, Illinois. And it was a student conference for college students, basically. And um, began saying, okay, well, I don't know what I'm going to do next. I can't afford to just stay at school and just study if I don't know what I want to do and be and major in. So, you know, here I am. I'm got two years of Bible, you know, the Lord can use me somewhere, and so I'm just going to go ahead and be a missionary. Um, God can use even really faulty reasoning for his purposes. <laughs> Not real good. So um, I ended up going to Kenya for a year. I was 19 when I arrived. I don't recommend that. Um, it was a really hard year. I was just not prepared. I really didn't have any training. I didn't know what to do. Um, I arrived, and they said, well, what do you want to do? And I thought, I don't know. What do you want me to do? <laughs> you know, It was hard. It was hard. I really felt like a failure that year, much of the year. Um, I did at that time get my first taste as well of people who were different than me. Minnesota was pretty white during those years, okay, back in the 60s. 60s, yeah. And so this was 70s by that time. But anyway... Minnesota was really white. I didn't know anybody of a different racial group even. Met a lot of people, and especially some Indians who had immigrated from the country of India. And so got to know some of them and a little bit of their culture during that time. Um, Way too many circumstances to go into detail, but I ended up going to Ivory Coast the following year. And there was a missionary kids' school there, um, Ivory Coast Academy, 
was a boarding school and they needed a secretary for the year. And so I'm like, well, I can do that. And so I did. Um, it was like, oh, those typing and all those skills that I'd learned in high school actually helped me realize that I did have some gifts in administration. I really hadn't thought about that. But um, God used that time. I was able to be a help. I wasn't a failure there. And I think God used it really as a healing time in my life as well. So during that year, though, I'm still thinking, I don't know, I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up. But Lord, if missions is in my future, I don't know. I, I know I at least need to get a college degree. So I made plans to go back to Northwestern College. Um, there I joined the Student Missions Fellowship group on campus. Um, there I met my husband, who was actually training to be a missionary in India. And um, we got married after we graduated and headed off to our training and were appointed by TEAM, the Evangelical Alliance Mission, which is our organization, to be missionaries in India. So um, started those years just kind of preparing, planning, raising support, um, new marriage, working on marriage stuff, um, trying to make ends meet during that time. Our mission approached us basically and said, you're not going to get visas to India. It's just that's not happening. So we would really like you to consider going to South Africa. South Africa okay. Because there are more Indians in South Africa than any other country in the world outside of India, at least at that time. I don't know what the statistic is today. but so um, And team worked with Indians in South Africa. So we said yes and um, made plans to go. So about two and, a half year, two and a half years after we were married, we got on a plane, took our little daughter, Sarah, who was nine months old at the time, and we flew to Johannesburg. Now, as we had been doing our deputation, we were planning on being church planters, and to be honest, I really didn't know what that meant um, a whole lot, but um, Jim would talk about what that entailed and how we do leadership and, and teaching, but he said, one thing I will never do is teach in a formal setting, like in a school or something. That is just not me. I'm not going to do that. So we got off the plane in Johannesburg. The missions director was driving us to the guest house, and he said, oh, by the way, you've been assigned to work at the Durban Bible College. You'll teach there. Um, you'll get there in three weeks. I mean, school starts in three weeks. You'll find out what you're teaching when you get there. Um, okay. So Jim jokes that he looked at our airplane tickets, and they were only one way, so we didn't have a choice. <laughs> We flew to Durban, it was about an hour's flight, so I don't know what that is, several hundred miles down to Durban, and got involved in um, the school. I should say that at least it was English-speaking, at least British English with an Indian accent, but it was English-speaking, so, okay. There was a church denomination that had begun by team, an Indian denomination, that we were hoping to work with, work with pastors to, with a pastor to plant churches. Being at the college that year meant that we had our weekends free. And so we were able to visit each of the churches in that denomination. Jim spoke at some of them. I was able to go with him most of the time. Sometimes they were a few hours away and I wasn't able to you know, spend a couple of nights there. It just wouldn't work. But we were able to visit those churches, get to know people, find out more about culture. I'd get, I got to know many of the pastor's wives in the denomination. Jim began to develop working relationships with some of the pastors, just relationships, period. And so um, even though we would not have chosen that, remember submission says God can use even the mistakes or, I don't know, was it a mistake of those in authority over us to achieve 
his character and his purposes in us. So um, we soon became brother Jim and sister Carmen. That's just what they knew us as. So as a young wife, a new mom, where do I fit in? Jim is teaching. Um, I knew that my first responsibility is to care for our home, to set up a home first, to figure out where to shop, to buy things, to get the things we needed for our apartment, to know what foods are available, to learn how to drive in this new country, and so a lot of my, and of course care for our daughter, so a lot of my time was spent simply with a lot of those things. We tried, we did a lot of visiting of Indian people, just met a lot of people. We learned quickly that, um, white missionaries kind of had an honored status. So what would often happen is we would be in this new church and after church we'd go to someone's house for lunch, the pastor, the elders at the church, and we would arrive and they would say, oh, meal's ready, and seat all the men and me at the table. One of the women would have taken Sarah out in the back and they were chatting with Sarah, but it was me and the men, and that was it no other women would ever come to sit at the table. And I realized this isn't gonna keep happening. There's no way I can do this. It was really awkward. So Jim and I talked about it. And anyway, what I'd start doing is when we'd arrive, when we'd first arrive, I would just go ahead and go into the kitchen with Sarah and start talking with the ladies. And when they told me to go eat, and I'd say, uh, well, I'll, I'll just rather eat with you, which was just sweet. I just started getting to know at least their culture, their foods, what they cooked with, how they did it. All these things are different in a different culture. So the Lord gave us good, good opportunities to meet people during that year that we would not have had otherwise. At the end of the year, the year though, Jim was convinced that this is not what God has called him to, <laughs> teaching in a formal setting. And he strongly requested that we be able to work in Phoenix, which is the name of the Indian township that we had hoped to go to initially. It was... The Bible college was south of Durban, and the Phoenix was north of Durban. The missionaries at the time said, oh, doesn't your wife want to stay and live near the missionaries? And I said, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I want to move north. So we began um, looking for a house to move into. Now, apartheid was in full swing at the time. It was the law of the land that you had much prescribed by your racial group. We were white. We were not allowed to live in an Indian township. That was only for Indians. And so we found a house as close as we could to the, to the Indian township that we wanted to live in. And so we moved in, started getting settled there. Um, just routines there. I, Jim spent a lot of time in Phoenix, and I went with him whenever I could. Our second daughter, Naomi, was born while we were there. Uh, we really worked hard to get to know people. We attended lots of events, birthday parties, weddings, funerals, um, anything that we were invited to, basically, we went to. Um, just getting to know people. Um, often a church member, a man, would come to Jim and say, Brother Jim, you need to come to see my brother or my neighbor or whatever and give him the gospel. You need to give him the gospel. He needs the gospel. And so Jim would say, well, sure, why don't you and I go to your <laughs> neighbor and we'll talk about the Lord. And so we would get to this house and I would take my daughters out of the living room because these cute little white girls would definitely distract any conversations that were taking place. So I'd go out with the women and we'd chat and they'd distract them too, but at least I knew that those gospel conversations were able to happen there. Um, not necessarily happening where I was, but we were chatting and developing relationships. Um, 
living several miles away from Phoenix, it was hard for me to get really involved a lot there. Um, we, we only had one car. Um, much of my time, again, was spent being a homemaker, also taking care of all the business of mission, the finances, our prayer letters, family communication. Um, all of that was before um, internet, before computers, so they were all hand typed. I mean, I had a typewriter, but you know, written letters that we would send to people. Um, took a lot of time and a lot of work, but it was good. Um, I had some local white friends, but I really tried not to invest too much in that community because I wanted to be my heart to be in Phoenix. We did try doing um, some hospitality, but it was really, really hard because the Indian women were very uncomfortable coming to our home where they knew it was a white area. They were not welcome there. And so they just felt so uncomfortable. They'd love to have us in their homes. They didn't really want to come to our home. We tried, but it wasn't, it was hard. Um, we spent as much time as we could. Our little girls were well-known, um, loved wherever they went. Um, I had good relationships with some of our church women. Um, in fact, one day I realized, I think I made it. Um, I was in the kitchen in their home washing dishes and just busy with the other ladies and people coming and going all the time in this home. And I realized that there was a woman talking to my friend and I soon realized what she was talking with her about was me. She, there's this, this, this white woman in your kitchen, did you know that, Debbie? And she looked and she went, oh, that's just Sister Carmen, that's not a problem. So, <laughs> yes, yes. All right, I'm just Sister Carmen, that's what I want to be. Um, after four years, we were getting ready to come home on furlough, and we were visiting with a British pastor and his wife that we had gotten to know through the years, and just talking about, you know, what have we accomplished? I mean, we're Americans, we have to, you know, accomplish something. What have we accomplished? And, you know, they were good friends of ours, and I remember Richard saying something I'd never forgotten. He said, you know, after four years of getting to know the Indians, I think you're ready to work with Indians. <laughs> like, yeah, it takes a long time. So, came home on furlough. As we were planning to go back, Jim was, had been really exploring, is there any way that we could move into Phoenix? I knew, we both knew, but especially my burden was, what would we do with our girls in school? At this point, they were five and three. We knew that when we returned, we'd need to have that school question settled. Homeschooling was just in its infancy. I just didn't feel prepared, able to do that. I also knew that if we did that, we'd be isolated. There'd be nobody else um, around. There's no co-ops. There'd be nobody doing this. And just really struggled with that. Um, it was maybe a month before we were going back, and we had... Um, coffee with some friends that I'd known for years. At that time, he was a missions professor at Moody Bible Institute. We were talking with them, and he said, you need to have your girls in the public school. God can take care of that. And I was like, they were the only people who encouraged us to do that, and I was so thankful for that because it was, it was the right decision. It was God's um, timing for us, God's word. So... Um, we went back, we were able to find a house in Phoenix. It was a lovely little house, 800 square feet, three bedrooms, two baths, which means it was tiny, if you know anything about 800 square foot. It's usually an apartment here, okay? Um, I think Nursery B is 800 square feet, just to give you some perspective on that. <laughs> but it was a delightful place to be. And we, um, God plunked us into a neighborhood 
with white, I mean, I'm sorry, with girls. So our little white girls just walked off to school with the neighbor girls. It was sweet. Um, living in that community gave us really more credibility in relationships as well. Um, we were there. We were part of them. As far as we knew, we were the only white family living in this community of 300,000 East Indians. Um, and it was good. Um, at one point, Jim had brought over some teachers from Precept Ministries to, to try to help our churches grow in those Bible study methods. And I, of course, wasn't able to go to the training because I had kids at home. But um, I was able to read through the materials that he had brought home. And I just began you know, praying about, how can I use some of this with the ladies in our churches? And so at one point, one of the women in our ladies group asked if I would come and teach in their ladies group. And so what we did, the women had good teaching in their churches as far as it went. Probably most of them had very little of their own Bible study or reading. They could read, but they hadn't had a high education level. Um, most of those who were moms probably would have gone through maybe eighth grade at that time. I mean, they were starting, girls were starting to go through high school, but these moms hadn't. So what we did, we sat down in the room. I remember this clearly. We sat down in the room, opened our Bibles. I think we were doing First Thessalonians. And we just started to read. I said, okay, somebody read the first verse. What does it say? Who is it talking about? What are they supposed to do? And just asking those kinds of questions, just walking through the text. They didn't have any resources to use. I wasn't going to use any resources. I wanted them to hear from God's word. And women started saying, wow, I'm actually getting something from God's word for myself. It was really sweet. God gave me several opportunities to do that. Continued as well to run the business of our mission, the finances, all the communication um, tools that we had. Um, we did do a little bit more hospitality, um, but you know they really didn't like my British food um, so much as their Indian, and my Indian cooking was not on a par with theirs. So I kind of ultimately settled on bringing cakes to every church potluck, which they loved. <laughs> they would eat those. Okay, our son James was born there. Um, cute little wiry little white boy and blue eyes, and he was a neighborhood pet. Um, our daughter Sarah would carry him around and, you know, whenever she'd go to her friend's houses, and then the aunties over there would have him and fed him who knows what. I don't know. But it was <laughs> he didn't ever get sick, so he... <laughs> anyway, they were good years that we lived in Phoenix. However, the country was changing. Apartheid was slowly being dismantled, which was a good thing. Um, but Jim also knew that the mission agency and the national churches would really need to make some major changes, and there just didn't seem to be any movement of people wanting to do that at the time. And just to make a long story short, well, Jim knew that he wasn't the person to lead those changes and felt that it was time for us to, to go. So we did. We returned to the USA. We had a 10-year-old, 7.5-year-old, and a 2.5-year-old at this time. Coming back, um, no idea what God had for us. No idea what the plan was. Um, we were able to buy a house because Jim's parents had died. We had some inheritance money, so we could put a down payment on a house. I mean, we sold house payments, but we could get into a house. God provided just the right house. Um, just as we were getting ready to move in, I suddenly realized, oh, I'm, I'm pregnant. 
oh, and Jim doesn't have a job. We don't have any insurance. Um, okay, Lord, uh, <laughs> you know. Psalm 32, 8, I will instruct you, says the Lord, and guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch your progress. Uh, God did. Um, it was a hard year. I can't, I can't even pretend. It was a really hard year, especially that first year coming home, trying to figure out what life is like, trying to help my girls who were entering school system that they had no idea what it was like. Um, it was just hard. Um, I didn't know who I was. I'd been a missionary wife for a decade, and suddenly I wasn't. You know, who am I? It was, it was extremely difficult. But God, two days after we moved in, a neighbor came knocking on the door. Hi, I came. I wanted to meet you. I live behind you. And I was told that missionaries were moving in this house. And I'm like, is that good or bad? Um, yeah, <laughs> we are. So she talked about just wanting to learn more about God. Her heart was just so open and just wanted to know about God. And I'm like, well... You know, if you want, we could study the Bible together. Oh, I would love that. So, um, shortly after we moved in, I started a Bible study with her, and she invited her sister-in-law, too. And we started going through, um, at that time, it was a, a chronological Bible study that New Tribes Mission had written. And so we started going through that, um, just sweet times of fellowship and talking about the Lord and, and just seeing her grow in, in the Lord. I, you know, came to the realization, yeah, she's a believer, but doesn't know anything about the Bible. So it was a sweet time. And yet I was still struggling at the same time. Um, I would honestly say I was going through some depression, except that depression was never talked about in the churches 30 years ago. Um, and I didn't know how to define that, but it was just really, really hard. Um, thankfully, I don't struggle with postpartum depression, and I found that as my baby's due date got near, I realized I needed to get my life in gear so that I could take care of this baby. And having a new baby to take care of, I could do that. I knew how to do that. I wasn't a failure at that. And so it was, it really kind of seemed to bring me out of that really dark spot at that time. So our little David was born. Um, looking back over those years again, I would just have to say, you know, um, Psalm 32, 8, God knows. Um, I realized as I was even doing this preparation that I, I don't really make decisions with a lot of um, forethought or planning, preparing, analyzing. It's like God seems to drop something in my lap, and I'm like, okay, guess that's what's next. Like that Bible study. Um, the next thing that God, well, not the next thing, but a few years um, forward, we felt like we couldn't stay at our sending church, which had supported us the whole time we were missionaries. There were just enough changes at the church we just weren't comfortable with, and so we started looking for a new church home, which again is hard. Um, we ended up at Bethlehem. The first Sunday we were here, it was like, yeah, this is where we're going to stay, which was good. Um, God brought us here. Um, took some you know, time to just get involved, and especially our girls had a hard time, again, making change. They were ninth and sixth grade by this time, and you know, making friends was hard, but um, God saw them through that, and we helped by inviting families over that had girls their ages to get to know, so um, we began to feel settled. We also, you know, we're just really developing a lot of friendships in our neighborhood. Um, we'd be out in the street and, you know, playing with kids and out at the mailbox and, and Jim even, you know, coached soccer when our son was in kindergarten and all the neighbor kids came and, and then that lasted for several years. Um, 
what does it mean to continue to be, to be steadfast? There are days I'm not quite sure what that means, except I know that God does. Um, I found another thing that he dropped into my lap. So I'd been attending Bible study at our um, church that I, we'd been at, but we were leaving, and I just didn't feel right about going back to the women's Bible study, continuing there. Wanted to get involved in Bethlehem, <clears throat> except they didn't have a women's ministry at that time. Um, and so I was talking with a neighbor friend about it, and she said, well, we could start a neighborhood Bible study. I'll host, you teach. I'm like, oh, <laughs> okay. So we started, and um, we talked to neighbor ladies, invited them. There were six or seven of us, I think, that started, and that Bible study lasted for about five years. Um, just sweet times of being in God's Word, oftentimes just opening the Bible and talking through it, because, again, these women didn't have a lot of... They were educated, it wasn't that, but they didn't, hadn't spent a lot of time in the Word. Um, not all were believers, for sure, but God did some sweet things there. Got involved at Bethlehem as well, um, tried to do a family ministry, Sunday school or Wednesday night, and didn't go real well. And after that, I said, Jim, honey, you know what? Pastor Piper said something in a sermon about serve where you delight. I'm going to the nursery, okay? <laughs> and so I went to the nursery, and that's where I stayed. I never left. Um, <laughs> Um, I'm, I volunteered for a few years, and then Bethlehem was starting a third service, which meant they needed a third assistant nursery coordinator to um, lead that service, and I asked about the job and was hired on the spot, and so 22 years ago, I started getting paid to help serve in the nursery and lead, and that has continued for 22 years. Um, when we went to Northwestern College, I was kind of the on-site coordinator under Joyce Heinrich, who is the early childhood ministry coordinator. And then when we moved into the North Building, I was asked to take the full leadership of the nursery, which was good. Um, Jim had gotten a job initially at Northwestern Bookstore. Then he was actually hired by Desiring God, which then became Children Desiring God, working with the curriculum. So he worked for that for a number of years. During those years, um, balancing home, family, church, responsibilities, work, it was a challenge. I, I'm not going to lie. It was a hard thing. I didn't always do it well. Many scenarios in my life God was slowly working on. Um, my kids would have loved it to be quicker, I think. But um, it's hard to share details because so many of those things involve other people. But I'm, I do have to say that we were always faithful in church attendance, ministry, but there were a lot of times when I wasn't in the Word myself at home. I wasn't in prayer. I wasn't trying to feed my soul. Got to a point where, um, so one example, I really, I knew that I struggled with anger. I mean, it, sometimes I could get really angry, especially if my kids crossed me in the wrong way. And I knew I needed help. I would sometimes ask friends to pray, and most often the response I got was, yeah, me too. Um, it just wasn't helpful. I mean, so... Anyway, the Lord brought me to a place to deal with it. I decided to take a How People Change course here at church. My kids were getting old enough where I could leave them home alone if I needed to for a while or, or whatever. And so I took this course, and I didn't know anything about it at that time. But um, we had to choose a personal growth project to work on. And when I started working through my anger was when God really started to make changes for me. Um, just seeing that it was really idols of control. I'm in control here. You're not, right? Um, and also comfort. You know, you're getting me out of my comfort zone. Um, you're, so anyway, God worked, and I was really 
thankful for that. Um, never perfect, obviously, but um, in process, I did struggle with, in the next years, with just struggling with how had my anger impacted some of my kids. And a good friend shared with me that um, God could still use my sin in their lives to work his purposes. Remember that definition of submission? God can use even the mistakes or sins of those in authority over me to achieve his character in me. That that ultimately was a God can use for their growth, which was very helpful. It's not an excuse, okay? But it was very, very helpful for me to realize that. Um, so um, one more thing that God dropped into my lap, okay? A new Christian neighbor had moved into our neighborhood, and she was just passionate about wanting to get to know the ladies and, and share the Lord with them and wanting to have a Christmas coffee. So I knew all the ladies. So we went around and um, invited them, ended up having Christmas coffees. One year we had someone from Bethlehem come and speak at it, and after she'd shared the gospel, she said, Carmen would be willing to do a Bible study if anyone was interested. <laughs> well, I mean, she knew. I mean, we'd agreed on that. It, no, it wasn't a surprise. But, but everybody signed up. I think 12 women signed up to do Bible study. It, timing didn't work for everybody to come, but that started another season of neighborhood Bible study that was just so sweet. I can't even tell you all about that because I don't have time. But um, God used that for several years in our neighborhood, and um, we continued on Zoom during COVID. We continued until we moved, um, which was a couple years ago. Um, just felt like it was right timing to move closer to our kids. Um, I miss those neighbors very much. So, need to get to nursery. <laughs> that's who I am. That, no, that's not who I am, but that's who God has me. Um, <laughs> um, I love doing nursery. I have seen how God has used my gifts. Administration, you know what? It takes a lot of that to organize 100 nursery workers and all that goes on. Also, um, my mom did daycare. I have a lot of practical knowledge that she did with kids that I draw on all the time. It's amazing. I'm so thankful for that. Um, and I'm thankful that I can help our caregivers know how to settle our children because my passion is that moms get to worship, get to serve, get to fellowship together, get to... Um, do what God has for them without the distraction of their little ones. It's hard with little ones. So that's my passion. And at the same time, we want to do more than just babysit your children. I was thankful to inherit a framework that said, we're going to lay a spiritual foundation under the lives of our kids. And we've tweaked it and grown it. My assistant coordinators have been wonderful with that and nursery workers. Um, so. We're praying for your children every time they're in our nurseries. We're teaching your children from the time they go into nursery B. We gather them together on a rug. It's like herding cats in that room sometimes. But we do it. So by the time they're two and they're sitting, they actually can sit and learn. Um, we're doing that. We're teaching our kids memory verses. And um, just one quick story before I really need to finish. I know. Um, I've heard this story over and over. But there was a, a Chinese woman who came to me one day. And she said, in my country, I never heard about God. We came here, actually through the ESL ministry here. She and her husband came to know the Lord. Um, so this is several years later, and she came and said, you know what, my three-year-old hurt her wrist. I had to take her to, for an x-ray. And I asked her, I said, 
are you afraid? And she said, no, Mom. When I'm afraid, I put my trust in God. Psalm 56.3, she didn't have the reference, but God, God used that appropriately in her life. She was able to apply it in her life. We hear that all the time from, from people, scripture, or just what their children are learning, the songs they're singing at home. And that is our joy. It's a privilege to be able to turn kids' hearts to the Lord. I'm so thankful that sometimes overwhelmed that I think about, you know, we have little kids who will grow up never knowing a time where they didn't know that God is big and God is strong and Jesus loves me. And we're praying that God will use those truths to bring them to himself um, in his timing. So again, Psalm 32, 8, the Lord directs submission. He uses the mistakes and even sins of those in authority over us to achieve his character and I would say work his purposes through us. Thanks. (laughs) Thank you.